American Catholic History is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hello, and welcome to American Catholic History. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate us and give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Noelle Heaster Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Today we're talking about Daniel Rudd, who was born a slave but died a free man and one of the most important Catholics in the country. There are lots of interesting parts to Daniel Rudd's story, starting with being born into slavery. Right. Daniel Rudd was born in August of 1854, one of 11 children born to Catholic parents who were slaves in Bardstown, Kentucky. The owner of the plantation also was Catholic, as was the majority of the population in Bardstown. Bardstown was actually a significant city for Catholics in the early part of the nation's history. It really was. When the Catholic colony of Maryland was taken over by anti-Catholic Protestants, many Catholics trekked over the Appalachians to settle in Bardstown, hoping it would give them peace and safety to live as Catholics, that which they had lost in Maryland. And for many decades, it did. Right. But some Catholics, like the Rudd's owner, did still accept slavery as a legitimate practice, so it wasn't quite a model of a Catholic town just yet. But Daniel and members of his family found in the Catholic faith a great leveler of society. Right. Rudd's experience was that in practicing his Catholic faith, he found equality among all parts of society. Rich, poor, black, white, it didn't matter. His writings are full of this sentiment later in life. And growing up in Bardstown had a special Catholic element because the parish was the proto-cathedral of St. Joseph. Proto-cathedral, which means first cathedral. Yes. See, Bardstown had been made a diocese in 1808 at the same time as Boston, New York, and Philadelphia. When it was formed, the Diocese of Bardstown encompassed the whole of the United States north of Florida and between the Appalachians and the Mississippi River. So St. Joseph in Bardstown, which was completed in 1816, was the first cathedral west of the Appalachians. So it was a significant church for a vast swath of the U.S. Members of Rudd's family going back three generations had not only been regular mass-goers at the cathedral, but had been sextons there, and Rudd was pleased to join in that work. But by the time Rudd was born, the seat of the diocese had been moved 40-some miles away to Louisville. Right. The church authorities had picked the wrong city as the one that would grow. So when Louisville clearly was becoming the more important city, they moved to the sea in 1841. But again, since St. Joseph Cathedral had been the first U.S. cathedral west of the Appalachians, it retained the dignity of proto-cathedral. Exactly. It was a dignity near and dear to the hearts of the faithful of Bardstown, like Daniel Rudd. His experiences at the proto-cathedral and of growing up in that Catholic environment had a profound impact on his later life. Of his baptism in St. Joseph, he later wrote in his newspaper, the editor, meaning himself, was baptized in August 1854 at the same font where all the rest, white and black, were baptized without discrimination, except as who got there first. And about receiving his first communion and confirmation, he wrote, The editor of the Tribune made his first communion there, after the long course of study and instruction one must go through with, prior to that event, and during the time he and all the other colored and white children sat together. And when the late Venerable Archbishop Spalding, then Bishop of Louisville, administered the Sacrament of Confirmation, the Tribune man knelt beside as fair a damsel as ever bowed before that rail and thought nothing of it. He was proud to say later in life that he had been all over St. Joseph Cathedral from foundation to pinnacle without ever being told to move. 
So he grew up in slavery. It was even known that when he was four years old, he was valued at $250. But again, his Catholic faith and the Catholic community in which he grew up showed him that before God, all have equal dignity. It is said that when his mother died, she was such a respected Catholic woman that the pastor of the parish had the funeral delayed so that he could offer the Mass himself. His early childhood and his embrace of the Catholic faith really gave him a foundation to do remarkable things later in life. It did. And he would need that foundation because he was about to live through, and somewhat in the center of, one of the greatest periods of upheaval in American history. Daniel Rudd was six years old when the Civil War broke out, and ten when it ended in 1865. And while Kentucky wasn't a site of lots of battles, it was a key border state. It allowed slavery, but declared itself officially neutral in the conflict. The Confederacy claimed Kentucky as its 13th state, but Union troops had occupied parts of it, like Louisville, from early on. Also, Kentucky figured heavily in the Underground Railroad, as runaway slaves from all over the South made their way to freedom across the Ohio River into Indiana and Ohio. At the conclusion of the Civil War, Daniel Rudd, like so many millions, was no longer a slave. Right, and he decided to move to Springfield, Ohio, which is northeast of Dayton. One of his brothers lived there. He attended high school and graduated, a thing which was rare for white youth in rural settings, let alone a black youth. He went to work at a local newspaper, dedicating himself to advocating for the rights and equalities of blacks, wanting to extend into secular matters the equality that he found in Catholic ones. He was part of the effort to desegregate the local schools in the 1870s when he was in his late teens and early 20s. He quickly became convinced of the strong role the press could play in furthering the causes of justice and moved to take advantage of that power. In 1885, he set out on his own and started a newspaper in Springfield, the Ohio Tribune. It was the first newspaper in the United States printed by and for black Americans. Within a year, he moved his operation to Cincinnati changed the name to the American Catholic Tribune, expanded the paper's mission, and made it a national paper. This made it the first national newspaper owned by a black man, and the mission he gave it was grounded in his Catholic upbringing. Right. He wrote, We will do what no other paper published by colored men has dared to do, give the great Catholic Church a hearing and show that it is worthy of at least a fair consideration at the hands of our race, being as it is the only place on this continent where rich and poor, white and black, must drop prejudice at the threshold and go hand in hand to the altar. That reminds me of what Father Abram Ryan had to say to James Longstreet after the Civil War, that in the Catholic Church, politics had to be put aside as we worship together. You can hear more about that in episode 14 of this podcast. (laughs) Yes. And uh, Daniel Rudd's paper picked up some important endorsements from some prominent bishops. In the masthead of every issue, he included, quote, Cardinal Gibbons, Archbishop of Baltimore, Maryland, the most reverend archbishops of Cincinnati and Philadelphia, and the right reverend bishops of Covington, Kentucky, Columbus, Ohio, Richmond, Virginia, Vincennes, Indiana, and Wilmington, Delaware. That's quite a list. Yes, especially including Cardinal Gibbons, one of the most important churchmen in U.S. history. And it wasn't just bishops in this country who knew of him and respected him. Through his travels and speaking engagements, he established confidence with, among others, Cardinal Edward Manning of Westminster, England, and Cardinal Charles Lavigere of Carthage and Algiers, the primate of Africa. These were important days for black Catholics in America, and Rudd was in the thick of it. His American Catholic Tribune had reporters and subscribers across the country and sometimes ran articles from Father Augustus Tolton, the first black identifying priest ordained in the United States. Right. 
And Daniel Rudd saw his paper as a way to reach out to his fellow black Catholics, as well as to non-Catholic blacks, hoping that they might realize the comfort and power in being Catholic. He wrote, quote, the Negro of this country, ostracized, abused, downtrodden, and condemned, needs all the forces which may be brought to bear in his behalf to elevate him to that plane of equality. The Holy Roman Catholic Church offers to the oppressed Negro a material as well as a spiritual refuge. We need the church. The church wants us. Investigate, brethren. By 1892, the American Catholic Tribune was printing 10,000 copies, which were distributed all over the country. It's important to note that the money from the subscriptions did not, by themselves, fund the American Catholic Tribune. Rudd had to rely on printing other things in his print shop and on donations. Many of those donations actually came from white Catholics who were eager to help support the education of black Catholics and the spread of the faith among non-Catholic blacks. Right. And the American Catholic Tribune wasn't all Rudd did to advocate for blacks in America, Catholic or not. In the late 1880s, he began formulating the idea for a national gathering of black Catholics. The idea was twofold. First, it would be a way for many black men to stand together and show their unity to advocate for positive changes in society, like better schooling, admission to labor unions, and other freedoms and rights. Second, it would be a way for black Catholics to show that while they were a minority among their black brethren, they were not as rare or as odd as they were often thought of. Rudd wrote that it was important that their fellow blacks realize the church's extent among them. We are hidden away as it were. Let us stand forth and look at one another. Every colored Catholic must at times feel that his colored brethren look upon him as an alien and may even be told so. Our Protestant friends have false notions of us. Right. So he and Father Augustus Tolton brought together 200 leaders of the black Catholic community to meet in Washington, D.C. at the beginning of 1889. They called the gathering the Colored Catholic Congress. Father Tolton offered the high mass. They discussed topics that included the role of women in evangelization and passed a resolution which expressed sympathy with our brethren on the Emerald Isle who, like ourselves, are struggling for justice. And on the final day of the Congress, January 4th, 1889, they were even joined by President Grover Cleveland. Similar Congresses were held in 1890, 1892, 1893, and 1894, but Rudd had to miss the Congress in 1892 because he had accepted an invitation to address the Apostolate of the Press, an organization of Catholic publishers and editors. In his speech, he spoke much of the nation's founding principles of equality, how these are fundamentally Catholic principles, and that the Catholic Church can and would play a leading role in breaking down barriers and bringing about equality. In the Catholic Church, he said, our sacraments, rites, and ceremonies do not make any distinction or discrimination. We are all equal before the altar. He exhorted his mostly white audience to reach out to blacks and extend the anchor chain of Catholic hope, love, and charity. For his efforts, he was called the greatest Negro Catholic in America by a black non-Catholic newspaper, The Christian Soldier. The Colored Catholic Congress of 1894 proved to be the final Congress in Rudd's lifetime, as no more were organized. That same year, his American Catholic Tribune began to falter due in part to an economic recession and in part to competition from new rival black publications, some of them Catholic. He moved his operation to Detroit for more favorable conditions, but after 1897, he never published again. After 1897, Rudd took a step back from the spotlight and print activism. He moved to the South, first to Mississippi and then to Arkansas, taking a number of different jobs for the remainder of his life. 
He never stopped advocating for equality and never stopped spreading the joy of his Catholic faith among his black brethren. Daniel Rudd passed away in 1933 at the age of 79, but his legacy lives on in the many Catholics who continue to be part of the struggle for civil rights for blacks throughout the 20th century. In 1994, the Colored Catholic Congress was reborn as the National Black Catholic Congress. This gathering, which happens every five years, continues to promote and celebrate the experience of Black Catholicism in the United States. You've been listening to American Catholic History on the StarQuest Production Network. If you've been enjoying our podcast, please be sure to give us a rating and a review. To learn more about today's topic, to find previous episodes, and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com history. You can email us at history at sqpn.com or find us on social media at facebook.com slash American Catholic History or follow StarQuest on Twitter at SQPN. I'm Noelle Heaster-Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Thank you once again for joining us on American Catholic History on StarQuest. Quest.